Hi, this is Glenn Rawson. One of the most powerful ways to share history and heritage is by the telling of stories. We began sharing inspiring stories nearly 30 years ago. Each of those stories is true and was intended to inspire and strengthen faith. Over the years, those stories have reached millions around the world. This podcast is for you to listen, learn, and enjoy. My friend, Carol Judd, shared with me a most remarkable experience. I haven't been able to get it out of my mind. It came at a time when she was serving as a police officer at the port of entry. It happened in June 1997. She and another female officer were traveling to a meeting in Phoenix. It was early in the morning between 5.30 and 6 a.m. They were just past the Tuba City Junction, Arizona, when they came upon a car accident. They were the first on the scene. She gave the following details, and I quote, There were two Navajo men, a father and a son. The son was about 25 or 30. The father had a very bad head injury, and it was pretty obvious he was not going to make it. The son was banged up pretty bad, but he was going to be all right. We tried everything we could for the father. We cleaned him up the best we could while waiting on the ambulance. Then, she said, out of nowhere, a very tall Navajo man who was beautifully dressed in starched jeans with a white starched long sleeve shirt appeared at the scene. He was wearing a beautiful old turquoise Navajo concha belt, an old turquoise squash blossom necklace, and a big old turquoise bracelet. His hair was long, black, and was very carefully groomed into braids. He was impeccably dressed, almost military in appearance. He walked over to the dying man, knelt down, put his hands on his head, and gave him a blessing to be released from this life. He never spoke to me, she said, or the other officer. But as quick as he came, he got into a car and left, never having spoken a word to either of us. I knew that something special was going on because of the immense feeling of peace that was there at that moment. The man himself was someone very special. I never have seen anything like him before or since. He was truly beautiful. End of quote. Was this wonderful priesthood man mortal or immortal? I don't know. It doesn't matter. He was, at the moment, a ministering messenger, an angel sent from God. Next story. I know that for some of you, I may be considered just a young man, but to my kids, I'm an old duffer. And the longer I live, the more I believe kindness matters. May I tell you the story of a single act of kindness that affected the lives of billions even down to the present day, and even you. 
The ancient patriarch Abraham was old and well-stricken in age, the scriptures say. He was concerned that his son Isaac was not yet married. So he called for his most trusted servant and in the custom of the day sent him back to the land of Abraham's ancestry to negotiate a wife for Isaac. Now, that may seem a strange custom to us today, but for the servant, it must have been a daunting task. He was to travel to a land he did not know, find a family he had never met, and persuade a girl to leave her home and kin forever and marry a total stranger. Dubious, but faithful, the servant loaded ten camels and set out for Mesopotamia, arriving at the well on the outskirts of the village just as the women were coming to draw evening water. But now, which maiden is she? How does he find her? The servant prayed thus, O Lord God of my master Abraham, let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, Let down thy pitcher, I pray, that I may drink. And she shall say, Drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac. End of quote. He didn't even finish the prayer. Before a very lovely young woman approached the well, filled her pitcher, and started back. He ran and asked for a drink. She gave him a drink and then said, I will draw water for thy camels also. <laughs> Do you know how much water ten thirsty camels can drink? More than 250 gallons. No one had known the like of Rebecca. The servant watched her in wonder. Could this be her? Could it be that easy? She had passed the first test, but was she of the covenant lineage? Turned out, she was. Rebecca invited the man to her home where he presented his incredible story to her and her family. The next morning, Rebecca's family put the decision to her. Wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. It was evening. Isaac went out into the fields to meditate. In the distance, he saw the camels coming. From atop the camel, Rebekah saw him and asked, What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? When she learned that it was him. She came down from the camel, veiled her face as a bride would, and went to meet him. Isaac, the scripture says, took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. End of quote. Rebekah became the mother of thousands of millions. Nations today call her mother, probably even you, and all because of a timely act of kindness coupled with simple faith. Kindness, my friends, does matter. Next story. My family loves music. 
There have been times when we have so much enjoyed singing. And fortunately, not everyone in the family sings the way I do. Some of them actually have a voice and have talent. Years of experience have taught me the awesome power of music to touch the soul for both good and bad. Well, some years back, when my children were young, Debbie and I traveled to Grandpa and Grandma's house for a Sunday dinner. After a wonderful evening, we loaded up in the minivan to come home and had no sooner gotten underway than an argument started among the children over some licorice. Well, that argument spread like a wildfire, and before long, it drew in almost everyone in the family. The mood in the van became tense and strained. Then, all of a sudden, kind of out of the blue, my oldest daughter, Cherise, suggested that we sing a song. Well, I can tell you assuredly that not many of us felt like singing, but somewhat timidly, we began. Oh, and we got better. The more we sang, the louder we got. For 30 miles going down the freeway, we sang song after song after song. When we pulled up in our driveway in Blackfoot, no one got out of the van. Not until we'd finished the last verse of the hymn we were singing. Oh, and the feeling we had. It's hard to describe, but simple to say. No one was angry anymore. Instead, we had a feeling of peace and of joy. We loved each other more. We came inside, got ready for bed, and before we had family prayer, we sang some more. And I'm here to tell you, we went to bed filled with the Spirit. That was the Rawson family experience. May I share the experience of another family? Mom had worked hard to get the family packed for their annual camping trip, but Dad, a doctor, as usual, was late getting home from the hospital, causing a little frustration in the family. When he finally did arrive, they got underway. However, before they were even out of town, anger and argument erupted in the car, causing Mom to just lose it. She lost her cool. After her tirade, she angrily flipped in a tape, this is in the old days of cassette tapes, a tape of religious children's music and sat back in the seat to smolder in silence. But the songs, well, the songs were contagious. One by one, each family member broke into singing along with the tape. And the mood changed radically as they traveled down the freeway. Suddenly, as they finished a song, Dad said, we need to turn around. What for? Mom asked. What did I forget? Nothing. I just have this crazy, compelling feeling that we need to turn around. Just as the family launched into the next song, the same feeling hit all of them. Quickly, they turned around and started back the way they had come. They hadn't gone far when they saw a man on the side of the freeway, frantically attempting to flag them down. As they rolled to a stop, he pointed off to the side of the road toward a mangled motorcycle and explained 
that there had been an accident and that the young woman was dying. Quickly, Dad grabbed his first aid kit and ran to her side. She was unconscious and not breathing. She was dying. As the family huddled in the car and prayed fervently, Dad worked desperately. Soon an ambulance arrived and the woman was loaded in. Dad got in with her and went with her, still fighting to save her life. To make a long story short, the young woman lived. But I wonder, is it possible that that was the case because a faithful family chose to sing rather than fight? They chose to sing and open themselves up to the Spirit of God rather than to contend. My friends, it's the Sabbath. Go sing something sacred. I'm going to do something a little out of the ordinary for just a moment. Every story I ever tell you here on these firesides is a true story, but I want to read a piece of fiction out of Tempering Steel for just a moment. I know that there are a few who are dubious about this book. I would like to share something from the opening pages. This is a passage from page six of Tempering Steel. It's very short, but let me just read it to you. Joe Steele looked at his older son for the last time on this side of the veil. His gaze was intense, his face almost aglow with an unearthly light. Find him, son. Find the pole star. The whisper trailed off. Then with a faint sigh, Joe Steele closed his eyes and departed this life. J.O. lowered the now lifeless hand onto the bed and looked at his mother and younger brother who were sobbing unrestrained. Tears welled up in his own eyes, and this time there was no stopping them. He bolted through the open door of the bedroom and past the brightly lit Christmas tree. As he jerked open the front door, the ferocity of the storm hit him directly in the face, but slowed his steps for only a moment. Plunging through the snowdrift at the door, he began to run. Within seconds, the darkness swallowed him. Plunging into the storm, he wished with all of his soul that he could just die and go with his dad. Wind-driven snow and ice stung his cheeks and caked in his hair, yet he felt nothing but the pain in his wounded young soul. He ran into the darkness until his lungs burned and his clothes were covered with snow and ice. Finally, he was forced to stop. Exhausted, his chest heaving, he dropped to his knees in the snow. Great racking sobs, punctuated with a profusion of tears, split the blackened air. Heavenly Father, he started to say, but then suddenly stopped. His head came back up and his eyes opened into the darkness. For months he had prayed every day, constantly, in fact, that his father would live. These prayers had been as sincere as any 11-year-old could utter, yet they hadn't worked. His dad was dead. Bitter anger welled up inside him. J.O. set his jaw and defiantly stood. No loving God could be so cruel. There is no God, he muttered through clenched teeth into the wind. And if there is, he doesn't care. He brushed the icy tears from his cheeks. He was through praying, through crying. 
His mother and his brother would need his strength now, not his weakness. The promise he had made to his dad to care for the family solidified in his young soul that would become one of the driving values of his life. An involuntary shudder spread through his body and brought him back to dangerous reality. The wind-driven temperature was far below zero. He looked down. The snow had already buried his feet up to the ankles. If he didn't get back to the house quickly, his unprotected body would freeze in a few more minutes. He looked into the storm for the lights of the ranch house, but nothing was visible. He looked up into heaven for the North Star as his dad had taught him to do, but saw nothing more than a dizzying swirl of white. His father's last words came to his mind. Find him. Find the pole star. What could that mean? He shook off the thought, said his jaw was determination, and began to run through his anger and grief, not knowing for certain where he was going. He had only instinct to follow. That night, that painful moment, defined the next 15 years of J.O. Steele's life. End of quote. That's the beginning of the book, Tempering Steel. Thank you for listening. Many of the stories you heard today have been published and are archived at glenrossonstories.com. If you would like more information, you can communicate with us there. We will be back again with another podcast next week. <laughs>